Welcome to the Gone Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Howell. And I'm your host, Angie Rogers Howell. What is the Gone Boss Podcast? Well, it's a weekly podcast featuring awesome people in our community. We'll interview them, find out what makes them tick, the cool things they're doing to make our community a great place to live and work, and how they've gone boss. Be sure to check us out at goneboss.com or hashtag goneboss. We're on Instagram at goneboss2k or find us on Facebook by searching for Gone Boss. Today in the studio, we have Laura Rutter with Ohio Valley Gas. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. So tell me a little bit about yourself. I work for Ohio Valley Gas as the Director of Communications and Strategic Initiatives. If you don't know what that means, most people don't. (laughs) I think intentionally ambiguous. Uh, I like to joke that the other duties as a sign is like 90% of my job. But I'm originally born and raised in Indianapolis. Went to college in Illinois, spent some time in Atlanta, Georgia, working for a think tank after college, and then spent about 10 years in Boston, Massachusetts, working there. And then I've been back in the Indiana area, back in my kind of roots for the last 11 years, Okay. All right. Uh, So, yeah. Definitely, I'm now living in Randolph County, which is definitely a departure from <laughs> what I'm used to <laughs> and, and yeah. where I came from. Uh, definitely I, a, a city girl or at, at best suburban girl mm-hmm. and then uh, married a farmer 10 years ago. So those farms don't just pick up and move elsewhere. So that's kind of tied me to Randolph County. So been around for a while now. Okay. And uh, still acclimating. <laughs> There are still days that I pinch myself thinking, is this my life? Yeah. You know, livestock and farming and all the things, so. I understand. Like, I grew up in a small town, Alexandria, not out in the country, but not a farm girl. And I said, I moved away and I was like, I'm never going to move to a small town. Right. And then I came back and I live in farmland, which is even smaller than Alex. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And on a farm and all that good stuff. Yeah. So. It's a, it is a lifestyle. Yeah. You know, it's not just... For farmers, it's not just their occupation; it's it's a way of life, oh, and so yeah. that it, you know, it's been a huge adjustment. But I appreciate something new about it every day, and probably curse something new about it every day as well. I agree. But I just it, wish Target was like ten minutes closer. Yes, that or way, if, Walmart if, if, or yes. something. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But that's all right. Okay, so tell me about your family. I know you mentioned farmers and all of yes. that. So tell me about yes. your family. So my husband Brendan farms. Uh, he farms corn, soybeans, a uh, little bit of wheat. He does his own. He custom farms. Uh, so he's just farmer through and through. He and I also are commercial turkey growers for oh, okay. Cooper Farms. So we've got two turkey barns. Uh, we finish the turkeys out for Cooper Farms. So that's about 12,000, anywhere between ten and 12,000 turkeys at a time. That's a lot of turkeys. It is a lot of turkeys. And generally, those are the moments, something related to the turkeys are the moments where I'm like, is this really my life? <laughs> Am I really hauling, you know, turkeys around and, you know, in this barn with like 5,000 turkeys around me? Uh, those are kind of the pinch me moments. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of my participation in the farming uh, aspect of things is, is helping with that. And so, yeah, that's that's what he does. We've got three kids. Lila is six. Okay. She just started kindergarten this year. Oh, exciting. Uh, she's six going on 16, as oh. I know you know. Yes, we know. <laughs> and um, Lane, our son Lane, is two, or two, almost two and a half. And then our youngest, Lincoln, was just born in May. So he's just about to be seven months. Got a so. baby. A yes. squishy little baby. He is, yes. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, we are, we're older. We're both in our 40s. We got a late start. And I'm like, 
I, so if you see me around and I just look flat exhausted, I'm like, you're supposed to do this like oh, in yeah. your 20s or 30s, not in your 40s. Not in your 40s. Yes. <laughs> like we should be done. But no, we're very blessed with Ooh, our family. So. Yes. I, yeah. I know how that goes. Yeah. We, uh, you know, Matt had his first three when yep. he was younger yep. and then we started over. Yeah. And so now Audia's like, mom, why did you do all this stuff for the other kiddos? And yeah. you don't, you don't make all these fun crafts for me and right. whatever. Like, I'm well, like, girl, you are fourth baby and yeah. I am old. Yeah. So yeah. You just be grateful that I'm here and upright. Exactly. I said, you know what? When you've got parties at school, I am the paper plate mom. Yes. Like, sign me. Don't oh. sign me up for something crazy and elaborate. Hands down. I will bring the napkins or yeah. the plates. I think that that has been a huge lesson for me in letting go. I've always been kind of a type A, very, you know, a perfectionist, wanting to do everything to the nines and being a working farm mom, right? So I, I work. I have my career, I have what I do to help with the farm, and I've got three kids. I had to let go of a lot of the expectations I had for myself and what motherhood would look like. And my gracious, I, you know, I'm the paper plate mom. I'm the, uh, can you eat breakfast and lunch at school today because I didn't have time to pack your lunch or make you a breakfast. I'm the, oh crap, where's your homework, mom? You know, like, I love my kids fiercely and I'm really trying to prioritize in this season of life, like just quality time with them over like all the hustle and bustle of everything else. I, if my husband's listening to this, cover your ears. I just hired a housekeeper. (laughs) Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. You know, for just once a month. But you know, I think you just, you've got to find that balance and, and let go of the things that really at the end of the day and at the end of your life aren't going to be important. Right. Because you're never going to look back and be like, I wish my house was cleaner. Right. Or I wish I would have been the <laughs> I one I would have done it. it. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm like, it's so fine. I'm like, you know, we're going to have a, somebody that keeps us out of filth and squalor. And beyond that, like, hey. It's all good. And I've stopped making any apologies for. <laughs> no, that's, that's good. And enjoy yeah. the time with the little ones because eventually they get. They get Absolutely. big and don't want anything to do with you. I know. I know. <laughs> it's going to happen before I know it, I'm yeah. sure. What do you do for fun? <laughs> With three kids and a farm and a career, what do, what do I you do, do for, for fun? fun? Yeah. Okay, so crazy enough, I am right now training to run a half marathon. Okay, I'm training to run the indie half, uh, the indie mini mm-hmm. in May. So we'll see. Hopefully, I survive. Yeah, but I actually, I actually do find that. Fun. I enjoy the peace and solitude. Yeah, it gives you some time to yes. yourself without yes. little people asking you for things. Yes. <laughs> I am a newfound, like, true crime podcast junkie. Oh, okay. Like, actual crime junkies mm-hmm. being one that I really That's love. That's a good show, yep. uh, They had this, like, 16-part series called The Deck Investigates, and it was about this murder in a small town in Indiana of a mom of three kids. Oh, goodness. Right. So it was like very <laughs> close. Little, but it was, close it was in 1984. Okay, so like, okay. you know, a little bit different. But I was just absolutely engrossed in that. And I'm like, you know, so I would listen to that while I was running. Those are kind of like, that's kind of the extent of my for fun right sure. now. Yeah. I love to read. Uh, my girlfriends and I have a book club. Wine club, maybe oh, sometimes more too. than that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we try to keep it on task with the books, but you know, I try to keep a little bit of time in there that I can get away and just enjoy the company of my friends. But it is a busy season of life, so that's kind of the extent of my hobbies at the moment. Well, yeah, and that's that's okay. It's a time <laughs> in your life. Eventually, yeah. you'll get more. Yes, more, they'll come back, but that's all right. Sure, and they'll have to figure out who I am and what I enjoy. Exactly. <laughs> so, tell me how you got started. I was in college at a very interesting time. So I was in college when 9-11 happened. Okay. 
And I, at the time, wasn't quite sure what I wanted to major in. And so I went ahead and I declared international relations, political science, international relations, and communications, so journalism. And I actually took over the um, editor position of my college newspaper and I had just taken it over and had grand ambitions for how to make it better and how to change it. And then 9-11 hits and it's like, okay, we have all this stuff. We have to decide how to cover it. So, you know, I would say it was a really pivotal time to be in college and and kind of look at, look at things. So I went ahead and majored in both and uh, spent some time abroad in China and Mongolia my senior year and just got a really great international perspective on things and kind of really came to appreciate all sorts of things, all sorts of perspectives and cultures. And when I graduated from college, I went down, as I said, worked for a think tank in Atlanta, Georgia. And, you know, that was great for times an international research um, think tank doing research on all sorts of things. Okay. And, but as you can imagine, think tank doesn't make a whole lot of money. So, you know, I was doing some other things on the side. And in the meantime, I get a call from an international news organization in Boston, Massachusetts. And I had worked there for a summer during college, just while I was in Boston for the summer and just doing kind of whatever they needed. Mm -hmm. And they were really impressed with me and they knew my background and they were starting a new department called Internet Strategies. And because if you think back, whoever's listening to this, if you think (laughs) back 20 plus years at this point, you know, that was when the internet was just starting to take off from like a a journalism standpoint. Newspapers and and magazines were still print first, heavy print, right? And they were, they had a website, but it was maybe they'd take a few pieces from print and throw them up on the web and call it, call it good, right? Call it their website. Well, this particular news organization saw the writing on the wall and realized that things were about to take, like, just take off and explode in the web first direction. And so they were creating a new department to help them kind of stay on the forefront of all of that. And they needed somebody to come and just help with anything and everything. They Mm -hmm. didn't even know yet what they were going to be doing. Right. Right. Or what they needed. Or what they needed or what role they needed. And so they hired three people. They hired a guy with a really strong entrepreneurial background Mm -hmm. who he had done some teaching for Harvard Business School, things like that. They hired kind of a high-level administrative executive assistant that would just keep everything running. Mm -hmm. And then my job was really to come in and research and trial things and just kind of help propel it forward and then do whatever was needed. So I said, Heck yeah. Like all, you know, they offered me, which at the time at 22, 23 years old was like an amazing salary. However, I didn't realize what I was moving to oh, yeah. in Boston. I was like, so quickly realized it wasn't that fabulous. Yeah. But, and that was really, I think that was the like moment that things just kind of took off. And so here I was in my early 20s in Boston, Massachusetts, working for this, you know, 110 year old news organization. And they're sitting here saying, we know we have to make a change, but we don't know what that is. And so I actually had a great, like the best seat in the house to watch this and lead this transformation, really. And I think that's the first kind of kind of introduction I had to leading through and participating in transformational change. And it just so happened to be that web first change. So, you know, when I started at that organization, I think their website was getting maybe a hundred 
not a hundred, I'm sorry, maybe a million page views a month, Mm -hmm. sometimes less in the high hundreds of thousands of page views a month. And by the time I left that organization, they were in the 30 million range per month, which for a, you know, a smaller organization was fabulous, right? So I was there through the time of getting Mm e-readers and getting your digital versions of your your content out there. They went totally web first. They went to a 24-7 web presence with a they took their print daily that had been a print daily for 110 years and went to a print weekly. Oh, okay. And then with web first. So everything was on the web. And I was there through the time of trialing paywalls and digital subscriptions and all of the different things. And so it was just an amazingly eye-opening time to be in that industry and in the role that I was in. And so you know, I had the opportunity then to bring a skill set that they never had and never knew they needed, right? Because right? I had come through school still learning how to write for print. So I still had all of the traditional, you know, print training right. and writing training, but I also learned how to write for the web. Right. And so here I am in my early 20s with highly decorated, highly skilled journalists that were regarded and well-renowned the world over that had been at this organization for decades, some of them half a century mm-hmm. they've been there. And I'm teaching them how to stay relevant, right? right? Yeah. Like, I'm like, you know, you're the expert in what you're writing about, but I'm going to be the expert in how you get people, get your content seen. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't listen to this you're going to write all this and nobody's ever going to read it because right. they're not going to find it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in that time of the explosion of SEO and, you know, optimizing everything for the web, that kind of became my niche and my expertise and that and then marketing and how to leverage everything to get all of this content seen, uh, how to monetize content on the web. I mean, that was huge. Like get it up there. Okay. But then how do you monetize it? Right. And so I sat in a seat that was really central to all of it. So I sat in between publishing and editorial and business and I was kind of the glue for all of that. And, you know, I, it wasn't until a recent job interview where I was talking with someone and they kind of looked at me like, all that in your early 20s? And and I look back and I was like, yeah. Thinking about it now, I should have been terrified. <laughs> yeah. Right? I should have, like, I think I had just enough confidence. I was humbly confident, right? right? So I right. didn't burn bridges. I wasn't this cocky, arrogant kid. But, like, looking back now, I'm like, man, I should have been terrified. Yeah. Now, in my 40s, I look at these 20-year-olds that are coming out. And I'm like, you don't know crap, you yeah. know? like. <laughs> and so, you know, it's just funny looking back on it and thinking, man, I'm glad I wasn't – I'm glad I wasn't really aware of the magnitude of what I was experiencing. Yeah, that's probably probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was honestly the pivotal moment yeah. for me. And that just really took me down kind of that that idea of doing whatever was needed and taking – Every opportunity as an opportunity to learn something, Mm -hmm. I think, just positioned me well within, you know, communications and strategic planning. Yeah. It was very strategic, very – we had to do a lot of, like, long-term high-level planning to figure out how to take this, like, massive ship and completely change course in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. And so I think that just – that's what positioned me well to just go on. And every role I've had since has, you know, been increasingly – more involved in strategic planning and marketing communications. Excellent. So tell me about Ohio Valley Gas and what you do there. So Ohio Valley Gas is, you know, I will I will admit, I didn't even know it was there for like the <laughs> longest time. So, you know, that is, you know, shame on me. But 
I drove past it. I mean, I oh, drove yeah, past, you it, drive for past years it every day. and had yeah. like no clue that it was there. And, you know, w- what I do is, is, you know, it's fairly corporate, mm-hmm. right? And so I, when I moved to Randolph County, I initially was working in Cincinnati, commuting to Cincinnati, commuted to Dayton for a while. Um, most recently, I was commuting to and from Muncie, which I thought was fabulous right. because I'm like, oh, this is <laughs> so close. to Cincinnati. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's just been another really great opportunity where it was kind of right place, right time. The CEO, Scott Williams, is a phenomenal leader. He has done great things at the organization. And, you know, in talks with him, we we identified for, for him that within Ohio Valley Gas, marketing communications and strategic planning was a skill set that they were lacking in. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, and they, they, they were on the cusp of getting ready to launch kind of a five-year strategic plan. And they knew where they wanted to go, but as an organization, they had never done any true intentional strategic planning. Right. So having a picture of where they wanted to go in five years was already right. a huge step for them. But now it was this ginormous task of, okay, but right. how do we, how get, do we there? get there? Yeah. And... So, you know, Scott and I had been talking and I said, you know, I mean, that's what I do, Scott. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I do. And then on the flip side, I can, through the marketing communications piece, sure. help get us there. Right. And so they brought me on. Uh, it's been almost a year. Okay. So I started in January of this year. Mm-hmm. And it's just been, it's amazing. It is a phenomenal group of people. And one of the things I love about the organization is Yes, it's corporate, so mm-hmm. to speak. You know, you guys can't see me doing my air quotes. It's corporate, <laughs> but they have grown very organically over the last 80 years, but have stayed true to their roots, right? So it is absolutely imperative to them to remain connected to the communi- communities that they serve. Mm-hmm. So if you are a customer in our Tell City district, you can go into our office in Tell City and you can pay your bill in person to mm-hmm. a clerk there that is a member of your community. She may sit next to you in church. Right. Her kids may be in dance with your kids. You call that office and you talk to the manager in Tell City. Right. You talk to him. You talk to a person that knows you, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the same in all of our districts. We cover like 22 counties in Indiana. And each one of those is managed by its own district. We okay. have an office in every one of those districts. So... So that has and, – and that will remain the way Ohio mm-hmm. Valley Gas runs no matter what kind of growth we experience. That is core to our values right. is to remain in and connected to the communities that we're serving. And so that's been – it's a breath of fresh air, truthfully. Uh, and it's, it's just the people are amazing, absolutely amazing. And so it's a pleasure to be there and doing what I do. And they make, they make my job extremely easy, oh, yeah. especially from a marketing and communication mm-hmm. standpoint extremely easy they just needed somebody to come in and actually do Do it it, right Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the strategic planning you know they are all so on board and so excited and you know i'm really excited to see what we do over this next coming now four years Mm -hmm. we're a year in so i think it's going to be really exciting to see where we go excellent cool i love that what's your favorite band or artist oh gosh so i knew you were going to ask these (laughs) questions and i told my husband i'm like 
I'm like, what's my favorite band? What's my favorite artist? I don't know. So I think what has served me well in my career, my my being well-rounded mm-hmm. and very like multifaceted is the same thing that makes it very hard for me to pick favorites of anything. Right. So I will have to answer that question and say, if you talk to 15-year-old me, it was like early 90s, Garth Brooks, Tim McGraw. Okay. On occasion, depending on my mood, it might have been like, early 90s rap. Okay. Right? Uh, it's, and to this day, I still have those times where I need to bust out the rap. Um, I've, I'm far less connected to it now. <laughs> well, yeah. So I'm still, I'm, bust, I'm still busting out the 90s and maybe early 2000s rap because oh, yeah. I know nothing about current day. Current day, I, you know, I'm anywhere from the, you know, the, the rap Christian artists um, and then, you know, Chris Stapleton, things like that, just the kind of really good salt of the earth um, type music like that, very acoustic and yeah. great singer songwriters. So excellent. You don't have to pick just one. It's <laughs> okay. all okay. good. It's good. Perfect. <laughs> Are you an early bird or a night owl? I probably am more night owl than okay. I am early bird, but I'm like not either. So I'm probably the highest functioning between like six thirty a.m. and ten p.m. Okay. So like, don't come at me too early, and don't expect too much of me too late. And that's but, still a pretty good chunk. Of yeah, the day, but so I definitely probably ten. I I frequently will get a second wind like at night yeah and then I'm like oh I'll leave it to the morning and then I never do then it in the morning it, so yeah. I would based on that I'd say probably more of a night owl okay cool what's your favorite book I really love Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett okay really long I also love The Time Traveler's Wife by Audrey I don't know how to say her last yeah, name. Yeah, I can't say it Niffin either. Something, something. <laughs> you can look it up. But um, both of those I think are, are really good both of those I've read multiple times and The Time Traveler's Wife I've read it two or three times, and it still makes me cry every time. Yeah. So I, I just, yeah, I love both of those. Now, did they make a movie of that one? They did. Was it as good as the book? Because I read so the book. He, I haven't seen the movie. So here's what I, like, the The movie is fine. Mm-hmm. If it's you, never as good as the book. It's never though. as good as the book. It's, it's pretty good. I mean, I still bawled at the movie. Okay. But it's one of those things where I'm like, I wish I could have watched it without having read the book mm-hmm. to see, like, if I would have liked it more. So as far as adaptations go I'd give it like a six okay that's well, so, not bad yeah not bad have you ever met anyone famous I don't know if I have I'm in a very fuzzy state so <laughs> well, you know yeah. I have a seven, got a seven month old, month old I can't remember like if I brushed my teeth this morning let alone like years ago but I don't I don't know like in person I don't know that I okay. have you know I've like Colin Powell came mm-hmm. and spoke at our call it, you know, like things like that where I've kind of seen them, but I don't know that I've actually like met anyone famous. That's okay. There's and still if, plenty if of time. you're out there and you're listening and you're famous and I've met you, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. There's still plenty of time to meet somebody. That's all good. What's your guilty pleasure? Food, a TV show. Yeah. So I love watching the baking championship shows mm-hmm. on Food ne- I think it's Food Network. Yeah. Food Network. So I watch, my daughter calls it Scary Cakes. So we watch <laughs> Halloween Baking Championship. Awesome. And then we go right into Holiday Baking Championship. They've done, I think, some like Easter or mm-hmm. Spring. I don't like those. Okay. It's got to be like scary or Christmas or I don't like it. Right. So I, I love to watch those and watch those religiously. And, you know, other than that, like I, I'm a pop addict and I'm, I'm trying to cut off that right now but that's that's yeah I've got to have pop and it's typically Dr. Pepper okay. is the pop of choice so. okay that's all right yeah. what's your favorite movie <laughs> so this one it's it's not going to be anything like <laughs> like literary hey or that's okay like, 
And and again, I don't know that I could say like that I have a favorite, but there's probably three movies that will put me in my proper generation that I could probably say every word to, and that's Dirty Dancing, oh, yeah. Pretty Woman, and Top Gun. Well, of course. So, yes. <laughs> I mean, I think I could recite every word, word for word, all of those. And we won't talk about the fact that, like, Dirty Dancing, like, I look back now, and, like, Dirty Dancing and Pretty Woman were wildly inappropriate for the ages that I was watching them. Yes. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not quite sure what age I was when I finally realized the context of what was happening in Dirty Dancing. Like, yeah. with, with Penny and, and yeah, all of that. And I'm like, oh, my God. Gosh, you guys let me watch that when I was like six? So, I mean, I guess it's good. I didn't realize what it was. I mean, it was over my head. But yeah, I'm like, and and I also am very certain that I was watching Pretty Woman at far too early of an age because I was watching it when it came out. So I was definitely (laughs) sub double digit age. So I'm like, that's all right. I mean, I turned out, I think I turned out okay. It turned out all right. It's all good. What's your hidden talent? Something you're good at that people might not know. Okay, I don't know if it's hidden, but okay. I, mean, I can I can write mm-hmm. like nobody's business. Like it's not always fabulous, but I mean I can bust out a ton of content in a very short amount of time. So like I could sit down and write a two or three page paper right now in probably like thirty minutes. That is a good talent. <laughs> so um, especially in your line of work, right? <laughs> yes, I mean it's, it has served me well. Yeah, it has served me very well. Other than that, I don't know that I'm like super – I don't know that I have like hidden talents. That's all right. I, I mean, yeah. What's your most used emoji on your phone? Oh, my gosh. I'd have to look. Right now, it's probably either the poop or the vomiting emoji. You got three kids. Someone's <laughs> yeah. always pooping or vomiting. Yes, probably something like that. Or the little like red face with all the like expletive oh, like, okay. sensor yep. bar over the face. Probably that might be one of them too. That's a good one too. <laughs> What's something you wish you had known when you were first starting out, either in business or life or in general? Yeah, I think for me, and I gradually learned this as I went along, but knowing that there was immense value in every situation that I was going to find myself in, especially professionally, but Mm -hmm. even personally, right? Every challenge that I went through in my life, I know made me stronger. And every job I have had, especially every job I've had in my like professional life. So like Mm -hmm. my post-collegiate years, every one of those has taught me something. And I might not have realized it in the moment, but there was something that I was able to take away from every single one of those. And there is a skill or a lesson from every role. I mean, I could go back in every role I've had post-college. I could tell you to this day, one lesson or skill that I use from that that is still applicable and that I still use in my everyday professional life. And so I think knowing that, had mm-hmm. I where I, had I been able to see the value in that early on, some of those roles could have been a lot less miserable because I could have really embraced the fact that like this may be miserable, but it's just a season. I will move past it. And actually this will serve me very well in the future. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wish I'd had that perspective early on, but you know, hindsight. Perfect. Tell me something that's on your bucket list. Something that's on my bucket list. I would love to travel more. Like I, living on the East Coast in my 20s, and so this is one of the benefits to getting a later start in life, right. so to speak, Having getting married later and having kids later. I spent my 20s doing whatever the heck I wanted. Mm-hmm. I lived on the East Coast. I was able to travel. I traveled to Europe. Um, and obviously, like I said, I traveled to China and Mongolia in college. And so, you know, I've done 
a bit of travel and just enough to know that there is so much more of the world that I want to see. And so, and I would love to share that with my kids. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll get my husband out of Randolph County. <laughs> he he, tra- he likes to <laughs> travel, but within the country. So, you know, hopefully I'll get him to go overseas with me, but I got a couple of great girlfriends that are like, hey, I will go with you. Oh, like, yeah. we'll leave the guys behind and we'll go. But I would love to, um, I know it's... <laughs> Not the greatest place now, but on my bucket list always was to go to Jerusalem, mm-hmm. Israel, that area. Okay, <laughs> we'll have to probably wait a couple we'll decades, to wait a see how things for that, pan but... out there. Uh, but it is still a, it right. is still a bucket list item. I would love to go to Scotland, Ireland, that area, uh, and I would I would love to see some places in Africa as well. Um, so those are probably the areas that I would most love to go to. Perfect. What does success mean to you? For me, that has absolutely changed over the years, and it changed drastically, like, once I had kids. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, success means that my family is happy and healthy, knows they're loved, and they are (laughs) – I'm chuckling because I (laughs) – thinking of what I told somebody else the other day about my kids, but that, that they grow up to be good people mm-hmm. in, in whatever that means, right? That I can't probably say what I said to these other people, but like I want to raise my kids to not be bleeps, right? right? Like honestly, like <laughs> right. you don't have to be huge, wildly successful people right. in terms of money or things or job or importance. If you grow up to be a good person and you're not a bleep to people, mm-hmm. then I think I've succeeded, <laughs> right? So, you know, and I think part of that for me is my career. And I think that that is how I demonstrate to them what you can do. It's how I demonstrate, you know, that you can find value in being in the home, being outside of the home. And it's, it's how I provide, you know, like I help provide for my family. And for me, that's really important mm-hmm. because it provides a safety and security and the ability to do things with my family that we might not otherwise be able to do. And so, but it's, but for me, it's all centered and focused around my family and just them knowing that they're loved and, you know, and, and doing that. So that's kind of you know, what it is for me. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you again so much for having me. It was a pleasure to talk with you and finally get to be a part of this great I, podcast. I know. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for stopping by the farmhouse. Thanks. Bye. Bye. The holidays are upon us and it's the end of the year. So here are some best of clips from Matt and Angie on the Gone Boss podcast. Enjoy. So we had a cat situation. We did. If you have followed Matt on Facebook, you may have seen it. But for those of you who haven't, it was wild. <laughs> it, it it was it was different. I yes. hadn't had that. I haven't had that happen uh, for a long time. It's happened before, but not to this very extent. Long. Oh no, not this far. <laughs> so to set it up, here I was. I went out to the car in the morning. I leave before everybody else. Audia got on the bus. I'm I'm coming to the office. Coming to Muncie from Farmland, which is a 20 minute drive. It's about 20 miles or so, yeah, so something like that. It was kind of chilly and whatever. So kind of chilly kinda... and everything. And I park the car. I get out of the car, and I hear a meow. And you're like, what? Why? Where exactly. Is it? Where? I, I went over to the storm drain thinking, oh my God, is there a cat? Down Maybe there? a cat like, got washed down there. And I heard it from behind me and I was like, Maybe it's in one of these other two cars. <laughs> Hoping that it was right. in another Hopefully car. there was just a downtown kitty that was meowing, right? So meow, meow, that whole thing, look in the other cars. And then I realized, nope, it's coming from my car. It's coming from the engine. And <laughs> oh, it's, no. it's, it's a cry kind of meow, like, you know, just like, oh God, I hope it's not hurt. Anyway, I. 
pop the hood open, pull it up, and there is a cat hanging <laughs> at the front of the engine onto the to the air filter thing, and he's got his pull up, and it just looks like he's like, I've been I've been in I, this position for twenty minutes. I have seen oh some stuff. <laughs> So I pry the cat out of there because it seemed, I think it's a little Paul was kind of pinched in there and that's why it was hanging there. Um, but, but I get the cat out and I'm like, oh my gosh, take him inside the office. I know in I can't keep him here. This office, right where I'm sitting now. But to tell you the truth, I hadn't had any coffee yet. So I'm like, nope, you will stay here in the office. I'm going to lock the door. I'm going to go get my coffee. So you left the cat in back. here while you went to get coffee? Yes. I mean, I guess you can't take it with you to get coffee, I suppose. <laughs> Underneath my arm here. We hey, need some Lauren, coffee. we're just here to get some coffee. So, yeah, go to the caffeinery, not a sponsor. Uh, we, uh, but we love them. But then I came back, and of course, I took the cat back home. So, Another you took this cat home. Back home. Now, if this had been me, now this is a barn cat. It's not like it's a house cat who lives in our house. Right, or it's like a barn cat. It's a barn cat. It's not even one we're like particularly attached to. It's fine. It in actually, fact, it's not ours. It's not ours. It lives at your mom's house. It's been hanging out at our house for I don't know how long. Because so, the cats are in heat. They're in heat. And then, so I don't know why she comes to our house because. Yeah, uh, she she came down to find the Tomcats, not the Tomcats came to find her. So. Yeah, so she came down, fine, whatever, do your but thing. But she was hiding from the Tomcats. That's yeah. why she was in the engine yeah, compartment. Yeah, that was the place they couldn't get to her. So she's, I'm like, girl, you brought this on yourself. Go back home. So I was like, dude, if this had been me, okay, I'm not always the most compassionate person in the world. I would have been like, guess what? This cat lives in the city now. It wants to be in Muncie. That's where it lives now. But Matt packed it up. You drove with it in your in the car. Yep, yep. Under your seat or did it hide yeah, under it your seat? Yeah, it was still scared as all get out yeah. because it's in a car. <laughs> So, <laughs> Not used to moving like like that. I mean, it went on a trip. So you took it back home. Yes. I, I, I was at home getting ready, and I heard the door open. I'm like, who's in my house? It was you bringing the cat home. Now, there's two other parts to this story. Number one, yeah, I came back home. I just had a meeting in Newcastle later in the day, so it wasn't a big deal or anything like that. But I go back out to my car to go to Newcastle. I'm like, I'm going to check just to see. And sure enough, that kitty was that back. Cat, was in my engine compartment Again. in a different spot in a different spot but yes it was up underneath there I'm like you are going to be dead you are asking for it so you, you took her out put her took down her out. went to Newcastle came home everything's fine yeah so what happened the day after well thinking that okay well we're fine not a big deal so and I said I will cuz Matt's like you need to check your tr- your hood every time when we leave I'm like I'm not doing that if the cat's dumb enough to get in my hood then the cat's Dumb enough. On, dumb enough and going on a trip. But I said, okay, I will honk my horn when I leave, before I leave, to, like, scare anybody out that might be hanging out. Yes. So, I did that. I had to make deliveries. Wednesdays are my delivery days. So, I had, and to, Lynn, I had to go to Lynn, which is the opposite side of Randolph County. It is, like, as far away from our house as you can possibly get and still in be county. in the county. So, I had to go to Lynn. And so I'm driving, I'm driving, I go all the way to Lynn. It's like rainy and gross. Maybe yeah, it even was a like terrible sleep, day. Like it was like snowy and gross. So like I went all the way to Lynn. Then I came all the way back to Muncie. I stopped at Walmart at the South Side Walmart. Get gas. To get gas. Because I had gone all the way to Lynn. Cheapest gas in Muncie. It is the cheapest gas in Muncie. And I am no, cheap. Not sponsored. Not sponsored also. <laughs> yes. So I go, I go all the way to, I come to Walmart and I, I'm out there getting gas. And I thought I heard a meow. And I'm like, that cannot be. But I was like, all right, fine. I will check. So I popped my trunk. I'm looking around and like. Popped your hood yeah, and not, trunk. 
yeah, I popped, I popped everything. I looked around. I'm like, I'm going to look like an idiot on the south side of Walmart uh, looking in my car. I'm a woman in the rain looking in my car. I'm like, somebody's going to come up and be like, can I help you? I'll be like, no, I'm sorry. I'm looking for a cat in my engine. Like, it sounds ridiculous. So I look. I don't see anything. I'm like, cool, fine. You come to the office. Come to the office. Work all day. Work all day. I'm like, I must have just been hearing things because we've been talking about this cat situation. No big deal. So I go home. No, this was a Friday. So I go home. I meet you guys at Pizza King. Yeah. We, yeah had, we had dinner. We had Friday night Pizza King. So I go park at Pizza King. We go inside. We eat. We do all the stuff. I go home. And then Holden went outside because Holden and Audio wanted to check on the cat yeah. to see where it was. They go outside. And what? They find this cat in my car. <laughs> yes. It was up in a wheel wheel of some sort, like some kind of little... Compartment there, there's like in a there. little cubby that made like a perfect little shelf. And it was dirty and just, Scared. you had known, you knew that cat had gone everywhere that, that cat, day in that little compartment. That cat had seen some stuff and like all day I went from Lynn to Walmart, sat at Pizza King and then back home and that cat had been there all day. So we brought the cat inside, fed it some milk and food. And it was starving. It, it was starving. It ate everything. It drank everything. It was like, oh, I'm living my best life now. And then we shipped it back home. We did, except for some of us are are petitioning that it needs to be an inside kitty now. And needs well, to be it can't pet. be now because it didn't come back. Uh, the cat didn't come back. The very next day, it's down at your mom's house. I thought we could still make her an inside kitty. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Gone Boss. Be sure to check us out at GoneBoss.com or hashtag GoneBoss. We're on Instagram at GoneBoss2K or you can find us on Facebook just by searching Gone Boss. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. We're brought to you today by our sponsor, Forbidden Fruit Tattoo and Piercing on McGalliard in Muncie. Have a great rest of your day and don't forget to tune in next week to find out who has Gone, gone Boss. boss.